Welcome to the Academic Work-Life Podcast. My name is Dylan Gomes, and I'm a graduate student at Boise State University. The goal of this podcast is to have a discussion about how we might all live more balanced lives. Um, so if you don't uh, mind introducing yourself and just telling us, uh, I, know, I know you just did all of this, <laughs> but if you don't mind introducing yourself and just a short bit about uh, sort of the questions you're interested in. Yeah. yeah, so my name is Georgia Hartford Elusis, and I'm originally from Oregon, and I'm now a postdoc at Idaho State University, and I'm an ethnoecologist. Uh, most of my training comes from the er- various parts of ecology, and I'm interested in how that intersects with the world of traditional knowledge, local indigenous peoples and particularly around the topics of plant gathering and wild plant gathering. And I'm interested in thinking about questions around how we can maintain the strength, the resilience of biocultural systems of local indigenous peoples, resource use and management. Um, And how did you get to where you are? Because I think earlier you mentioned that your undergrad was actually biology and Spanish, or, Spanish? Mm-hmm. or was it both of those? Or was yeah, I did a double major. A double major, okay. And, um, so maybe from there, can you tell a little bit about your trajectory to getting where you are here? Yeah, so when I graduated um, as an undergraduate from Grinnell College in Iowa with a double major in Spanish and biology, my interest was in being an environment, at that point, in being an environmental scientist in Latin America. And after completing my undergrad, I started a a one-year Fulbright research grant in Ecuador. And that was in the area of human ecology. And I was interested in what I'd learned about the effects of fire in Midwestern grasslands and how that translates to the kind of burning going on in these high-altitude grasslands or paramos of South America. And when I went there, I did learn a lot about ecology, but I also witnessed Um, poverty in a different way than I had before, and this sort of different status of different sectors of society, um, and especially the poverty of indigenous peoples. And that, I think, framed how I moved forward with my career. And I, from that point, wanted to infuse more social justice-oriented work into what I did. Um, I took a position in a... um, entomology technician position at the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park after that through a connection of an undergrad advisor and as I was doing that project I I had those same kinds of feelings as though for me there needed to be something apart from the ecology I needed to have this some kind of integration with society and power and structures of um, privilege and I decided that I would go into teaching and I joined Teach for America and I went to New York City and I worked in a public school as a middle school science teacher, when it, um, like an under-resourced school. Um, a very challenging, very beautiful experience as well. And then that just didn't feel sustainable for me in terms of my personality. And I, I looked again to see how can I kind of merge these interests I have in botany and ecology with the other interests I have in in people and in social justice. And so from there, I found this field of ethnobotany. 
and I learned about a particular advisor at the University of Hawaii from a friend of mine who was in the program and said, oh, this is a professor that I would recommend and, and she does ethnobotany. Um, I kind of missed another step in there, I just realized, which was I originally started a PhD program on the East Coast and that wasn't a good fit because it, again, wasn't meeting these same interests. And then that's when I then went out to, um, uh, I then went to Hawaii and I started this program with um, Tamara Tickton's lab at the University of Hawaii. And uh, that was a really good fit for me. Both important to me was the values shared with my advisor, also personality. And myself, I'm not a very confident person naturally. And I think I'm not unusual as a woman in struggling with confidence in the academic um, context. And it was really important that I had an advisor who could help support that confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned a lot from others in the lab, a very diverse group of people. All of us spoke more than one language, many indigenous students, international students. Um, the lab was very rich in learning opportunities for me. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, so I began a project for my master's there, focused on uh, wild seaweed gathering. And I, I really, I really love that project and I was really grateful that I had support from NSF so that I could really focus my time in on that research and on my interests. After that, um, I really wanted to get out of academia and leave. I was, I didn't use the third year of my NSF funding even though it's such good funding because I was convinced that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. And I returned to Oregon and worked at two different Native American nonprofits um, in the Portland, Oregon area, and then eventually re-entered my PhD as I, I felt like to really accomplish what I was looking to accomplish, I, I wanted to try to integrate what I was doing in terms of educational work with the Native American nonprofit and the academic world, kind of that merging. And so I went back and then started a project, and then that project shifted into something very different and shifted again and kind of brought me to the point where I, I did finish my PhD and then I questioned deeply whether I wanted to really go into academia further. I saw a postdoc looked pretty interesting and I applied for it and that kind of brought me to where I am today but I still um, I'm not a good poster child for like academia or like having a strong sense of clarity on that being the right path for me. I always am questioning. Yeah. That's more I, I think there's others like me, but that's that's where yeah. I am. So. And, and I think that's something, uh, you, you bring up so many good points. I think the, the lack of clarity about whether or not the academic path is for you, we sort of gloss over and we see the end result. We see professors who have been doing it forever, and it's like, oh yeah, clearly, you know, they're great at it, and that's what they've wanted to do forever. But if you talk to most of them, they've all doubted it at some point or, or, or multiple points. And then at some point they sort of woke up and they were tenured and it was like, oh, well, I, you know, I guess at <laughs> 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 so this point I'm doing it, right? And so uh -huh. I, I guess uh, a question I have for you is, so you talked a lot about your journey and, and there being times where it wasn't a right fit. And so, you know, teaching wasn't sustainable for you. And, and then other things were a right fit. You mentioned having similar values and personality with a, an advisor. And I guess the uh, sort of a bigger question I have is, how did you figure those sorts of things out? Like, how do you how do you know what's a right fit and what isn't a fit? Did it just sort of not feel right to you, or did you already were you able to sort of identify certain things that you liked and disliked, and, and how did that sort of play a role in your decision making? 
Yeah. It's a good question, um, and it's a hard one to answer. Like, I can remember making, <coughs> excuse me, I can remember making particular decisions, like the one to leave Hawaii where I was doing this entomology project in the most beautiful place, and then to go to New York City and start teaching. That was a big decision, and it was sort of, I don't know if I made it by like walking and thinking and then getting to the point where I said, yes, I'm, I'm willing to try this, let's just try it out. And I think it was motivated also by wanting to be immersed in a diverse society and being in an isolated place at my, in my like very early 20s and feeling like I want to see the world. <laughs> and I think that's what kind of moved me in, in that case. Um, I think with the advisor, uh, I had this difficult decision to make about leaving one graduate program for another, which was also quite awkward because I had, with me was moving my funding from NSF right. that I'd acquired under one advisor but was moving to another. So it was touchy for multiple reasons. Someone had invested in me and I was leaving. Right. Um, and that I can remember just how incredibly nervous I was to have that conversation but how did I know it was right for me just the feeling of it I think it's just really the something's not right and you can feel it kind of thing something doesn't feel it's not a good fit so you have to at least try something else even if you can't be sure that other is better or it's going to be just right um, but then choosing the new advisor it was really about checking in carefully with all of her current students. She had a fairly large lab. Mm -hmm. And so I had a personal recommendation, but I also had lengthy emails I shared with all the other students in the lab to kind of gauge whether or not it would be a good fit. Um, and then talking to her. Uh, some things like she would, uh, she's an advisor who wants to support your own goals. So whatever those might be and make sure that you're working towards what you've identified as your own goal rather than like adopting a particular goal that she may have. So that was important, I think, to, for the fit. Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems like it's a very important thing, right, to make sure that you and your advisor are allies or you're um, you know, on the same team sort of working together, helping each other rather than, oh, they do research that I'm interested in, that, that must be a good fit. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like you did the legwork you know, to figure out, okay, this, is this person right for me? And it worked out. Um, <clears throat> that does sound like quite a, a, a difficult conversation to have. You know, I'm, I'm leaving, and uh, it seems like that would be take a lot of bravery to kind of say, you know, this just isn't working out for me. And probably a lot of people have, you know, fear of, like, like you did, of just like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can have that conversation. And maybe some people will... Um, stick it out for the fear of not wanting to have that conversation and uh, it sounds like you know maybe y you might be an encouragement to some of these people to, to just you know tr try something different and, and you know because at the end of the day it's your life and you're the one going through all of this and so you should be happy too at the same time you know and I don't know if happy is the right word but you should you should make the decisions that you want and have that sort of agency in your life so yeah, I think so. It is a really hard conversation to have. Um, 
can remember being like very nervous about it and being concerned about potential what is the word for that you know the consequences right of doing that when you're in an academic environment and then maybe people know each other and maybe this person's going to be reviewing your grant down the line right. or all right. these things too but fortunately there hasn't none of that that I was fearful of yeah has happened and it and it it was a good decision for me and I, I would definitely encourage others to consider changing advisors or leaving or whatever you need to do if you're not happy mm-hmm. of course it's difficult because academia is such a hierarchical and um, yeah society <laughs> it's sort of a weird world isn't it <laughs> um, so I mean speaking of academia you, you left for a while and were teaching and then sort of came back I'm, I'm curious was that transition difficult? So coming back, was it sort of like re-entering a world that you felt like you weren't going to come back to? Or, or how did that sort of feel uh, for you? Yeah, I'm trying to remember when I originally left teaching. I mean, mm, I think academia is a lot easier than teaching. So I think um, maybe depending on the teaching assignment and the person. So I didn't have a sense of alienation or difference really because of taking that time and, and teaching. Um, I think there's you know a lot of students who don't go straight through in their career. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember having too much challenge with that. Okay. <coughs> and, and how has the postdoc process been for you? I mean, I, I've, sometimes you hear so horror stories of it's really hard to get a job or an interview and stuff and I'm just curious sort of your experience kind of especially given that you you know you, you say you're self-proclaimed you're not sure if you if this is the right path for you and so how have you found the process and how has it sort of maybe differed from being a student and um, you know so that does it feel sort of more temporary and are you, you know, on the quest to find a job after or do you feel like sort of very stable and like you don't need to worry about that right now. I know there's a um, lot in there, so sorry. Yeah, so the first part you asked about was like, I think the process of kind of getting the postdoc. Um, when I knew I was close to my dissertation defense and that ending of the PhD, I felt a fear like I was going to fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. you know, that this was ending and what was next. And there were other students that felt that same way were graduating along with me. It's like, I don't have a financial um, fallback, you know? This mm-hmm. graduate school doesn't pay a lot, but it's there's consistency there and there's health insurance and things like that that are, were gonna be gone. So I felt a lot of fear about that and I heard stories of people applying for like lots of different postdocs and maybe not getting them and you know, what would happen. And I think I was lucky in that I applied for two postdocs and I got this one that I was pretty excited about and it felt like a good fit. So I think I was, I was lucky in that. Um, you know, I did have the questioning again of like, do I really want to be in academia? Is this what I want to do? Does this feel right to me? Um, and at the time I wasn't as sure at this point like it feels good I feel grateful for the position um, having a higher salary than before is like huge 
yeah, it just feels very different. Um, that that I'm really grateful for. Um, I think in terms you've asked if it feels like graduate school, to me it kind of does actually because now that I'm a, a little more familiar with my, the expectations that there are of me, which I still don't fully understand the expectations, but that was one of the main stresses coming in. Like, am I meeting expectations? What are people thinking I can do? And, you know, again, like confidence, my confidence really dropped from where it was in graduate school to starting the postdoc, and it's like building back up now. Um, so that it does feel like graduate school because. I'm working independently to design a project, and I have to find funding, I, or I have funding, but I need to apply for additional funding. Um, I'm working with various people. I have a supervisor. It, to me, it feels quite similar. Mm -hmm. And is your do you, is like your day-to-day -day sort of work life pretty similar too? Or so I mean, you know, some people teach during uh, grad school. You, I, it sounds like you had an NSF grant, so you probably didn't have to teach. Um, I didn't have my NSF was during my master's. Oh, and okay. during my PhD, I did have s funding through a research assistantship, but I wasn't teaching. Okay. Yeah. So is, is your day to day mostly mostly the same sort of thing? You're just basically doing research and and pushing forward on your ideas and having the freedom and uh, freedom of schedule basically. Or yeah, it's very similar in that way actually. Um, what's different is in this would really vary by different whatever postdoc someone has, but in the case of my postdoc. Um, it's very uh, team-based and collaborative, so there's lots, there's more engagement with different people, I would say, than during my PhD, which can be, was more isolating of an experience, versus now I'm working on a lot of projects with others and multiple projects. And so there's more um, team meetings, and I do more mentorship also now. Gotcha. And I'm also teaching now, which I wasn't before. Okay. Um, so it's, it sounds like you, uh, you've really sort of listened to yourself internally and say, like throughout your, your, your journey and say like, well, is this right for me or is this, is this not? And um, I think a lot of people could learn from that and, and, and take that with them and say, okay, well, am I enjoying this, yes or no, and not sort of feel maybe stuck um, in things. And so that I, I've really appreciated that, you sharing that with us. And um, I'm wondering if, if you have any sort of last minute uh, comments or suggestions, sort of advice for people who might not be sure, you know, I mean, do you, how, how much do you analyze yourself and think about it and how much do you just sort of drudge on through the, through the muck and, and hope to get out the other end of the tunnel? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't have any like last insightful comments on that or anything, but, uh, Everything has ebbed and flowed for me emotionally through the process, and it continues to. So I try to keep in mind that, um, try to distinguish between those ebbs and flows and something that just is sort of in contrast to my happiness or my values or what my goals are, what I want to accomplish with this life's work, and try to distinguish those. But um, yeah, I think I'm more on the side of try things out and see, and change if you need to change, then try changing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to hear your journey. Oh, thanks for having me.